0: The reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
1: Thanks very much, Kim. Well, I want to encourage all of you this morning to rekindle your joy in Jesus. Now, as always, I'm preaching this to myself as much as to you. I've spent the whole week moping around um, in a bit of a stress, and I've you know, been trying to fight off a cold that I feel like I've had since September. So I need to rekindle my joy in Jesus as well. But um, we're going to look at the story of the wise men visiting Jesus, and who doesn't love that story? So uh, let's uh, come to that. But before we do, we need God's help to rekindle our love for Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord God, I know that I am in no position to rekindle anyone's love for you because my own heart is cold and um, my own week has been difficult. And so, Lord God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and warm our hearts this morning through your word. And please, Lord God, help us to really rejoice in our Savior as we look at this story about him. For We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, well, what I want us to do is join the wise men for the last step of their 800-mile journey, uh, for the last two stops. The two stops are Jerusalem and then Bethlehem, and at each of those stops, they meet a king. King Herod the Great in Jerusalem, who by this time had been reigning for about 40 years, uh, which spans the... The overall rule of uh, three Roman emperors, if you can call them that, Julius Caesar, uh, Mark Antony, and Augustus, and he had won the favor of all of them. This guy is a great man. So Herod the Great at Jerusalem, and then at the second stop, which is Bethlehem, they meet a little child called Jesus. Now, which one of those stops gave them more joy? You will know the answer, don't you? So we're going to find out what is it that they found at that second stop. That gave them joy in Jesus. So, first of all, we need to join the caravan. We've got a picture. Just uh, go back to the previous slide for a second, please. We've got, um, uh, well, here we go. We've got a caravan of wise men riding camels traditionally, but basically, we don't really know anything about them. We don't know that there were three, we don't know that there were 12, we don't know their names, we don't know they were riding camels. But these guys were a wealthy priestly class from uh, the. uh, from Western Asia, and um, whether there were two of them or 200 of them, they probably would have been traveling with an entourage, they would have had attendants, they would have had baggage animals. You don't just throw a sandwich in a lunchbox and go on an 800-mile journey. So they would have been uh, traveling with a big convoy. And uh, when they arrived at Jerusalem, you probably couldn't miss it. It'd be a bit like when the fairground arrives here. There are caravans everywhere, there are lorries everywhere you know that the fairground has arrived. And it would have been the same, I imagine, with these wise men. So they've been busy looking at the stars and they've seen this star and they know from their studies that a savior has been born. And we'll come on to that in just a second. Okay, so we've arrived in Jerusalem. This is our first stop. Um, We've set the whole town buzzing because they've seen our caravans and lorries and things arrive and they know that something's up. And... This is where we meet our first king, Herod the Great. I just want to emphasize again how great this man was. He really was great. He had the full force of the Roman Empire behind him. He was immensely wealthy. He had built a temple in Jerusalem. He had even built um, a harbor in Caesarea, I think. Now, when I lived in Guernsey, you, know, you knew that if the sea wall was damaged... It would take them at least five years to get around to fixing it because it was so incredibly expensive to do it. Well, Herod just reached into his pocket and built an entire harbor. That's how wealthy he was. He was immensely talented, and not only that, but his talent was very, very widely recognized. He won the approval of Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Caesar Augustus, an incredible man. Very wealthy, very influential, very talented. He had all of the trappings of an ancient royal life, all of the food, the luxury, the romance, everything, the clothes. He was truly great. He was privileged. And presumably, he was a privilege to meet. But the funny thing is that the wise men weren't interested in meeting him at all. In verse 2, we read, they get to Jerusalem and they say, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And it's only when Herod summoned them secretly that they met him. They weren't dazzled by all of the gold and the glitter, but what I want to say is that sometimes at Christmas time, we are dazzled by all the gold and the glitter. Metaphorically, this Christmas, a lot of people will only make it as far as this first stop, Jerusalem. And they will be dazzled. They'll see the lights. They'll smell the food. Lovely. They'll hear the music of the palace. And don't we love the luxury of Christmas? Everything is special. And we're dazzled. And we linger at the first stop without ever actually making it to the second stop. Or at least... We never really make it wholeheartedly to the second stop because I want to show you a few guys who could kind of have made it to the second stop, but they never quite did. It's the high priests and the teachers of the law in our reading because Herod summoned them and asked why these wise men were calling on him. This is what we read in verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, Herod asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these guys are rattling off a Bible verse, you know. Um, They know that a promised Savior is coming. They know that he will be a king. They know that he will shepherd them. And yet they don't leave Jerusalem with the wise men. They never make it as far as Bethlehem. So I want to challenge us this morning. Could that be you this Christmas? Could you be dazzled by all of the luxury and lights and everything of Christmas and never truly in your heart make it to Bethlehem? The wise men didn't stay in Jerusalem very long. We read in verse 9, after they had seen the king, they went on their way. They knew in their hearts they could not find true joy in the glitz and the glamour of Herod's palace. And I think in our hearts we know that too, don't we? So maybe stop there, but don't linger there. Don't linger in Herod's palace this Christmas. Keep travelling to Bethlehem. Okay, so we're with the wise men, remember, and we've done our first stop. So now let's join them as they travel about six miles south. Bethlehem for our second stop. And in Bethlehem we meet king number two, the child Jesus. No luxury here. Herod had a list of accomplishments. This child hasn't done anything and yet he gives the wise men far more joy than seeing Herod could ever have done. So verse 11, on coming to the house, They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. No presents for Herod. They weren't interested in him, but presents for this child. Now, it's worth us asking, isn't it? They've come and seen a child. Why is that enough for them? Why do they reach Jesus and say, this is what we've been looking for? Well, It's because they had God's promises about the child. The child hasn't done anything yet. They don't know if he will do anything. But they know what God has promised about this child. And this is is the secret. Um, You know, nothing that I say will bring you joy this morning, but God's promises can bring you joy. That is the key to joy in Jesus. God's promises bring joy. So I want to encourage you with two observations about the wise men and God's promises. The first is that the wise men didn't know many of God's promises, but that didn't matter. They got to Jerusalem and they said, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? So they knew that a king had been born, but they didn't know where. The chief priests and the teachers of the law had that information at their fingertips. But which group of people would you rather be? The heroes of the story are quite clearly the wise men, aren't they? You don't want to be the teachers of the law in this story. Now, if you asked me to list out all of the Bible's promises, I couldn't do it. And if I tried, I would miss some, and I would probably miss some big ones, and I'm sure you're the same. But that doesn't matter. We all have promises from the Bible that are particularly precious to us, and these wise men had that as well. So I want to encourage you this Christmas, in the quiet moments, just spare a thought for the promises of God that matter to you. For me, it might be Psalm 23. I know the old version. The Lord is my shepherd. I I shall not want. And uh, at the end it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you need any more promises than that? If I just thought about that, and thought about what it meant for my life this week, and what it meant for my eternal life beyond the grave. I don't need anything more. This morning I read Psalm 34. Uh, Just on my phone, I woke up with a banging headache, of course, and uh, flipped over my phone and read Psalm 34, which is the one that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That might be the only promise of God that you know, but think about that this Christmas, and it will bring you joy. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's my first observation. The wise men did not know many of God's promises, but what they knew was enough. Here's the second thing. They knew that there was something in God's promises for them. They asked in verse 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Why did that matter to them? They weren't Jews. Uh, They say, we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. And sure enough, when they reached the house, we read that they bowed down and worshipped a child and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? They weren't Jews. Why did they care? Because they knew that God's promises meant something to them. They traveled hundreds of miles to see this baby, And I've no doubt it's because they knew that God, when God makes a promise, he doesn't just make it to one or two individuals, he can do, but that promise meant something to them and so they traveled for it. In fact, these guys are the first of literally billions of non-Jews who have come to Jesus and found in him something for them. They've discovered that Jesus is for us. So, I'm encouraged that in a way these wise men actually kind of represent us. It's like we traveled 800 miles to Bethlehem. In fact, for us it's further, isn't it? But today we're doing exactly that, traveling to Jesus because we believe that God's promises mean something for us. So, in the quiet moments this Christmas, remind yourself that God cares about you and those precious promises Were made to you. Really short one this morning. Let me finish with this thought. The wise men were actually overjoyed before they saw Jesus. Because in verse 10 we read, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Not the baby, the star. They haven't even got to the baby yet, and they are overjoyed. And the word overjoyed just doesn't do justice to the original Greek. And I've got to tell you about this, because I'm so excited about it. But the Greek is like four words, which means something like they celebrated, they were ecstatic with magnificent joy. That's what it means. They were jazzed, as I heard one person put it. These guys were jazzed. They'd seen the star. Now, the star was just a signpost, it wasn't even the baby but it reminded them of two things. It reminded them of God's promises, and it reminded them that God's promises were for them. And that is why they were excited. Now, Christmas is a bit like the star, I think. Like the star, it's just a signpost. The 25th of December doesn't mean anything. You're not told in the Bible to celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. It's just like the star, it's just a signpost. But let that signpost remind you that God has made promises, and those promises are for you. They remind us that Jesus was born for us as God promised, and that's just the beginning. Now, I want to give you a bit of a personal testimony, and I'm really bad at this sort of thing because I'm a man, but I want to say that I, really, I love Jesus, okay? I think he is the greatest man who ever lived, I love reading the stories about his life. I love reading the parables of the lost sheep because I know that I am that lost sheep. I love reading uh, the way he stood up to the self-righteous Pharisees and the scribes because I know, that, I know that I'm sometimes like that as well. But I know that I have nothing to bring Jesus. I come to him empty-handed, and yet he will receive me. I even love reading about the stories of his uh, betrayal and his death, because I admire, and admire isn't a strong enough word. I admire the way he stood his ground and he didn't give way to fear and he never gave way to anger. He didn't run away. He went to that cross and he died for me. And all this stuff about the history of Jesus is, en- is enough. I could read that and I would love Jesus. But also, I know that he breaks people's chains today and he has broken mine. I know that I have come to Jesus with a burden, and he has taken my burden from me. I speak to him every day, and I love him. So God's promises are very much for us today. Now, Terry saw me walking in with this this morning, and I saw a little smile creep over his face. I got this from Terry, and if you want one, you can go and speak to him afterwards. He's just at the back. This is a board with 100 names the Bible gives for Jesus, and it gives you the scripture reference next to it advocate, almighty, Alpha and Omega, Amen, apostle of our profession, atoning sacrifice for our sins, author of life. I'm not going to go through all of them, but you get the idea. There is no one who has ever lived before or since who is described in these terms. Jesus is unique, and I strongly recommend you go and chat to Terry, and you go and get one of these for your wall. And, you know, morning and evening, you can just look and see that he is the king eternal. He is the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, king of the ages, the lamb, and so on, and you can just go through them and think, you know why he's these things? He's these things for me, because God gives us promises, and he gives them for each one of us individually. So this Christmas, don't get stuck at Herod's palace in all the lights and the food and the romance or whatever it is, because you can't find true joy there. You can stop there, but don't linger there. Make sure you travel from there to Bethlehem and find joy in God's
0: stunning promises to you. Let me pray.